Hello, and welcome to the Tap Market Podcast. I'm your host, Troy Scarborough. I'm an entrepreneur who has started, acquired, and more importantly, is focused on growing companies. In this podcast, you'll hear from entrepreneurs about how they got their start, what their company is about, what has worked for them to get to this point, and how they plan to build their brands. Expect to find actionable tactics that you can use to grow your business and get motivated to get through the grind into a meaningful entrepreneurial outcome that will change your life. I'm thrilled to have you here. Be sure to follow us on YouTube and Instagram at Tap Market, and let me know if you've been listening to the podcast. I love connecting and hearing from you. All right, let's get to it. Hi, this is Troy with Tap Market. Welcome, everybody. Tap Market, we're here talking to entrepreneurs in the grind, the day-to-day of entrepreneurship. Today, we have Leah of Flipping Holders. Leah, welcome uh, to the podcast. Glad we could have you. I'll kind of pass the mic over to you. Tell us a little bit about your company, who you are, and, and what you're working on. Hey, Troy. Thanks for having me. And thanks for everyone who's listening. I am the inventor and creator of a product called The Flipping Holder. And that is the name of my business. It is a holder for squeezable baby food pouches. Um, it's a product I created back at actually designed it in 2013 out of just sheer necessity when my, my oldest was one year old and uh, uh, brought it to life, brought it to market in 2016. And I've been selling ever since. So we're about six years in and it started as a hobby. And in the last two years, roughly, it became a business to the point that is now my, my full-time work. Um, so yeah, and the, the goal of our company really, and the flipping holder itself, is just to provide convenience to parents. So it's all these little moments of like frustration and overwhelm that parents experience, we want to solve those problems. So this was a solution to one of those, which is the flexible baby food pouches making huge messes. So we created this to solve that, that challenge. So what were you doing? You started this six years ago. What were you doing right before you started this? So I actually went to law school and I graduated from law school in 2009. I clerked for two years at the various courts. And then I was in full-time legal practice. I was doing business litigation defense work. And I worked that full-time. My first son was born in April of 2012. And I was about a year into full-time practice at that point. So I created the product. But when I say it was a hobby, I mean, genuinely, like I designed a product and had a friend 3D print it. And then I just used it. And it was it was my solution that I was using for my kid. It wasn't meant to be a business. But over the next few years, I realized that like other friends might want it. So I went ahead and used some resources at my, my law firm to pursue a patent and start looking at how could this become something that I actually manufactured and sold. So I did all of that while working full time as an attorney. So I was doing a lot of it in the middle of the night, late at night, just kind of, again, more of like a hobby, but like looking at like, how do I build a website? How do I, you know, how do you manufacture plastic products? How do you get into the baby market industry? Um, just reading articles and researching it in my very limited spare time. <laughs> and since I've had three more kids while starting the company, correct? That's correct. So my first son was in 2012, designed the product in 2013. My second son was born in 2014. 2015 is when I actually went to a trade show, a baby kid trade show in what they call the inventor's corner of the ABC Kids show out in Vegas. And that's an opportunity for people who have an idea, but haven't brought it to market to go show in kind of a, um, it's a technically a confidential area of the trade show. So people have to sign an NDA to come in the area is how it was at least then. And so I went there with my product, my 3D printed prototype and just showed it to people to get feedback. And that was in fall of 2015 and the feedback was positive. So I went ahead that following 
right after that show, one of the manufacturers that I talked to at the show helped me get the product made um, through an injection molding shop down in Iowa. I'm up in Minnesota and that was down in Iowa. And then we brought it to market in 2016. And then a year later, I had my third kid. And then a couple of years later, I had my fourth. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you've been busy. Um, was there like an event that happened that you were like, I have to invent this thing? Or was this like an idea you had like before kids or just when you when you had a kid? Like, did you come from an entrepreneurial inventor family? What got you to like, I mean, a lot of people don't take action, right? There's a there's a dime a dozen million ideas out there, but then there's some a different type of person that takes this action. Like, was there like an event that happened that triggered this? Yes, in multiple layers. So I would say that the question of, do I have an entrepreneurial background or come from that? The answer to that is yes. I've just, as a kid, I always liked to create. I sewed, I crafted, I quilted, I knitted, crocheted. I always like to make things whenever possible. And then my dad is extremely handy. So he um, designs and creates machines. That's what my grandpa did. And my dad did that. He learned that from my grandpa. And then he was in, so he's in the tool and die industry, the machining industry. And so he was always creating things. So it was just something that by default, if you had a problem, you would just figure out a solution on your own. That was kind of an expected thing you would just do. Um, so as a kid, I just like to create stuff. So I'm always coming up with ideas. I always did as a child. Um, but then most of my crafty creative areas were in the like fabric creation space, right? I sewed all my own clothes or I would make quilts or I would design bags or products and textiles because I could work in that area. It's a really easy material to work with. But this was my first idea of something that was more of a durable product. And how this came about is when my oldest son was one, I took a plane ride with him to visit my sister in Oklahoma. And in anticipation of the plane ride, I went to Walmart and was looking on the shelves for what could I do to feed him on the flight? Like if he gets hungry. And up until that point, we just like pureed baby food with a spoon was what we were going with. So I saw the pouches and in 2012, these pouches were actually pretty new in the baby food space. So there's only like a small section of them, but I grabbed a few and I was like, Oh, these will be perfect for the flight. Excellent. And so I brought them along and shortly into our flight, I was like, okay, I'm going to open one of these and give it to him. And he was sitting on my lap because he was a lap child at that, um, was able to, to share the seat with me at that age. And then I opened that pouch and I handed it like just kind of like tried to navigate it to his mouth. Didn't expect him to grab it. Didn't expect, but he did. And it went everywhere. It went all over me and him. And it did go over the like the lady sitting next to us. It was like a complete mess. And so what's funny about it is my reaction was, well, I'm never using these again. I'm just done with these pouches. Fast forward another month. And I was like, man, those would be convenient if they just didn't make a mess. And I looked all over. And at that time, there was no other solutions on the market for stopping the mess. So I, I just started doodling. And just started coming up with ideas. And I, I mean, there was a lot of iterations of my ideas, but I just came up with some. The first one I created was actually multiple pieces and I got it 3D printed and my kid took it right apart. So I was like, that's not a good solution. Um, so then I revamped it and ultimately came up with the design I have now, which is basically a solid singular piece that can hold the pouch all by itself. And that one I was excited about worked, got it 3D printed and it was fantastic. But then what's really funny about it is after... I had it 3D printed and I was testing it with my son. We were out, my husband and I were out with our one son then. This would still be in, I think it was like the fall of 2013. Uh, we were out at a restaurant and they gave us a juice box, like a, an honest kid squeezable juice pouch. And I was like, man, I wish I had a holder for this juice pouch. And then it hit me. I can just flip this thing over and it will hold the juices. So that was a completely accidental benefit to the design we had created, but it worked. And from that point on, I was like, okay, I actually do have something here. Like I've created something legitimate that 
has multiple purposes and is going to make everyone, at least me, make my life easier and other parents like me. So yeah, that's kind of the backstory. <laughs> I think every parent literally has been there. My kids are now 15 and, and nine. And I remember the food pouches mm-hmm. for the second one more so than the first one. But I mean, even like you're talking about with the Capri Sun, I mean, you'd literally as a parent, you'd take like a sip of it to try to like get it down a little bit. Yeah. So it wasn't so volatile. <laughs> before you give it to them, because you know, inevitably they're going to squeeze it as soon as they grab it and it's all going everywhere. So it's, it's genius. It makes sense. I really like your, your 3D printing process of that. It, it obviously fits for the product that you have. You can probably speak more specifically to it, but for the listeners, essentially it's, it's a like plastic mold that you can imagine sticking like a juice box inside of it with two handles on the side. So that's hard and rigid. Essentially the child can just can't squeeze it to like make everything come up, but they can hold onto the handles more comfortably. It just, it makes sense. But that was probably relatively inexpensive to 3d print prototype versus create some sort of mold. So that technology was huge for speed to market for, or testing this, I would imagine. Yeah, completely. If I had gone forward with my original design, but you know, if I didn't have 3D printing as an option to test it, and I had just finished my original design, said this is going to be good enough, it would never have had the function that my existing product does. So there were so many things I learned about why it wasn't the right size, the right length, the right width, the handles weren't in the right spot on my initial iteration because I was able to 3D print it. Interesting fact about 3D printing is almost every library system in this country has makerspaces and they have free 3D printers. Um, So you can actually use 3D printers at libraries if you need to. I had somebody else design my CAD file, um, but when a couple of friends had asked for, they also wanted a pouch holder and I hadn't started making them yet, I was able to send them the file and they could go to the library and print it. So it was, I mean, for people out there creating stuff, if you don't have the tools in-house, you don't always have to go out and find somebody to pay to do it. You could actually try like a makerspace at a library or um, sometimes at the colleges or universities will have free spaces. And there's probably people on like Fiverr or Upwork or somewhere that could create your sketch or whatever, try to create Mm -hmm. your sketch to bring it to life for the 3D printing. That's great advice. Yeah. So where are you at sort of in this journey now? Can you give us sort of a a stat or a feature of like how far you you've reached? You're in 50 states, you're in US, Canada, Australia, where where, like, how many have you sold? What's, What's a stat that you tell people sometimes about where you're going and growing? Well, I kind of like to talk about the background because I think people like to... So so where I'm at right now is pretty amazing and I'll get there. But some people, I think when they're on this journey, focus on other people's middles or ends and miss the like long buildup that happens to get there. So I like to always preface it with this explanation that I launched in 2016. I launched on Amazon January of 2017. And for the first... 2017, 2018, 2019, into the spring of 2020. So we'll call it the first three years, roughly. I was selling maybe, at first it was like maybe 10 units a week. And then it was like maybe $1,000 a month. And my holders sell for about $10 a piece. So it was $1,000 a month. And then eventually it ratcheted up somewhere around two to $3,000 a month. And that's where it sat for that whole time. And so what happened in the spring of 2020 is my manufacturer shut down. <laughs> so I was just going to drop the whole thing. And 
I thought, you know, I'll just run through the inventory I have left and I'll just be done. Like this has been a really fun hobby. It's been self-sustaining, but I'm going to, I'm going to move on. And that was in March of 2020, right when COVID hit. But then in May of 2020, I started to get some traction again on Amazon. And I think it's part of people being at home more, having to take care of their kids in their house more. Maybe they, they were relying on the pouches to entertain their kids, like to feed their kids where the, they were doing their work Zoom call, you know, whatever the, the reason was, it started to pick up some momentum. And I took that opportunity to then say, okay, I'm going to find a new manufacturer and restructure. And I was very fortunate because I, I had done that in July of 2020. So September of 2020, a random customer posted on Facebook and it must've gotten shared in some mom groups and it went quasi-viral, I would say. Not like a viral, viral post, but something that went, reached like 30,000 people, but it sold me out of inventory. I had every single thing I had at Amazon sold and it was the first time I realized like, oh my gosh, when people hear about my product, they actually do want to buy it. Like it really does take off when people hear about it. I hadn't put a lot into marketing. I hadn't really, you know, word of mouth was about all I was relying on to that point. Um, so we were able to work with our manufacturer, get all our inventory restocked, get better systems set up for inventory flow. So by April of 2021, which is really the critical pivot point in my business, we had full inventory at Amazon. We had back inventory at our manufacturers and we manufacture in the US. So it's down the street from my house and they had a full warehouse of our product. And so I um, was very fortunate because in April of 2021, a random person on TikTok posted a video of our product. Um, again, just a random customer who wanted to share about it. That one got over 16 million views and we sold $200,000 worth of product that month. And it was the moment that I said, okay, I'm going to have to do something about this. I like actually run this as a business. At that time, I was still practicing law full time. And so that summer is when I discovered Ryan Daniel Moran through his book, The 12 Months, $2 Million. And I realized, okay, I could put some effort into this, really build a brand, not just a product. And this momentum could keep going. So I joined his community in the fall of 2021. And I joined the incubator specifically then. Um, and then from there, I really rounded out my perspective about who my customer is, what my purpose is. It wasn't just about the product anymore. It became my understanding of like, I am really serving people and I really want to help parents have, have better days. I just want their days to be easier and better. And I can do that in many ways. One is through my product. Other ways are through social channels and communication. So I really focused on changing my perspective that year. And it really paid off by January of 2022. So this year, by January, I had hit a $1 million run rate in 12 months and I had sold over 80,000 units. And so that was incredible. And this year, it's continuing to go. So I'm on track to get somewhere close to 1.5 million this year in sales. And that's, you know, another 100,000 units. So it's incredible. So that's where I'm at. But it's like, that's the end point of like a really long journey. So I, I, I want people to understand that there's, there's a lot of backstory behind anybody's big, like I hit a huge goal this year. But the backstory of that is five years of, of really pushing hard to get there. Yeah. Sometimes it's just sticking with it, right? Until until you get that lucky day that gets you what you need to to start to invest back in that company to to grow it. Now that you're at this point, right, of a of a consistency, let's say in this you know over a million dollar run rate, what are the tactics now that you're using to grow? You know, the, the next goal is right, like eight, eight figures, let's say, if that is. How do you get from where you are today? to where you want to go? And what are some of those specific things you're executing on? 
I love this because that's what I've spent the last few months really trying to figure out. And so what's interesting about it is hitting the million dollar threshold was a monetary goal that really had nothing to do with money. It was more of proving a concept. If I can hit that seven figure mark, I'm going to feel like I've arrived. Well, I hit it and I didn't quite feel like I've arrived because my vision is so much bigger than what that dollar means. The dollars really are, are secondary to what's now driving me. So it's interesting when you talk about like, am I, am I heading toward an eight figure exit or what do I want to do? I actually don't care where the end result is from the money side, from the business side. What I see in front of me right now is a really unique opportunity to, to use my company to create more products, to solve more problems for parents, to bring more of my vision to life. And that's through community and support. That's through an online social presence. Being able to engage with other moms and do so meaningfully is going to be a huge benefit. You know, for the last 10 years, I've basically been working as a lawyer full time in, you know, in a law office or in the courtroom, shuffling papers, writing briefs, arguing motions, and and sometimes dealing with fairly unpleasant personalities. And I really love the fact that what's in front of me is a unique opportunity to actually go pursue and be passionate in the world, to go do the things I'm actually excited about. So that's what I'm, I'm driving toward. But to do that involves a huge leap this next year, which is I need to have a team around me. I have done this solo until this point. And by solo, I mean, I've literally, between my husband and I and one of our neighbors, we've packed all my inventory for the last six years. All those 100,000 units that went out in the last 12 months came through my hands or the hands of somebody in this house. Like that's something that we have to grow out of and build a team that includes a marketing team that includes people, you know, presence online. So I'm working with and building connections with the right people to, to figure out how I set that up strategically so that I can spend my time pursuing my vision and pursuing the passion of helping more parents while other people can also come along on that journey with me. So that's, that's where I'm focused for the next year. And when you've been growing so far, the majority of your sales have been on Amazon or on your website or split between the two? I'd say 99% on Amazon. Did the hockey stick, that really came from those sort of viral posts, but have you been seeing similar reaction from the, the pay-per-click investing to be able to grow your organic ranking? And, and now you're seeing you know, sort of a, a tacos, a total ad cost um, coming across that is continuing to grow with you or what? What are the tactics that you're working on to grow short term besides sort of viral videos? Or are you using viral videos, influencers, other moms, the audience to continue to try to get more social, more viral exposure? So I've got a two-part answer. One of them is, so when you get a viral video like that, which especially one that's not attributed to anything I did, it's a random customer posting, it's, it's amazing, and I appreciate everything my customers do for me because they're the biggest marketers we have. But when that happens, you get these viral spikes, and it's great to hear about the big numbers and the viral spike, but what's really more important about that is where do you level off after the spike? Do you go all the way back down to where you were before? So like Prime Day is a perfect example. A lot of people will get a big boost on Prime Day, and then they'll be like, wow, I sold, you know... X number of dollars worth of product on Prime Day. But then the next day it dips back low and then it levels off to the same level they were at before Prime Day hit. That's not true necessarily with viral posts. So what happened for me is I was running about $1,000 a day when that viral post hit in, I said $1,000 a day. I'm trying to remember the numbers to be very accurate, but it's, it's escaping me. Um, I think it was, sorry, the second viral post. <laughs> 
<laughs> my apologies. I should actually qualify that there was another viral post in 2022, also in spring from another random customer. And that one is the one I'm thinking of right now. So leading into that viral post, for example, we were selling $1,000 a day, which is like $30,000 a month. And then that post hit, we had a few days where we were hitting, you know, $20,000 one day and like $10,000 the next day, but then it leveled off at $2,000 a day. And then you have to decide what are you doing with that, right? So now I'm at, now I'm at this new normal and that's where Amazon pay-per-click comes in. That's where, you know, marketing channels come in for me. So what I do is when I'm not getting viral attention, that's when you invest in the advertising side. So I do Amazon pay-per-click and I do Facebook ads are the two things. And we do see the reaction. We do see uh, when people see it, they buy it. And the conversion rates are, are really quite strong. What is hard is what you're talking about, about the figuring out how much of it is coming from ads and how much is it coming organically. That just really fluctuates over time. And it seems to be based on, you know, random people posting stuff on the internet. So we have a very consistent ACOS, but our tacos goes up and down depending on what kind of attention we're getting, say on TikTok or on Facebook. Now, are you working with influencers as well if the viral spikes seem, seem to be working or how do you engage with your audience to get them to continue to talk about you? I'm currently not working with influencers. We we basically, we do get re, you know parents that reach out or people, you know influencers online who will reach out and say, hey, I'm interested in your product. Would you be willing to send me some of your product or would you be interested in, in doing a collaboration? And so we take advantage of those opportunities when they're available. But I do think over the next year, that is a huge tactic that we, we need to really put time and effort into um, is finding the right people to connect with and share about our product. Uh, because I do think, Social proof, the connection, mom to mom connection is so much more valuable than seeing a sponsored ad on Amazon or seeing a random Facebook post. Taking advantage of those influencer relationships will be a huge part of our marketing strategy in 2023. So if you're an influencer mom out there listening to this and this is resonating with you, get in touch with Leah. You guys hook up, tell everybody about it. Or just go buy it because it's going to be useful for you. And just post the video and support Leah because she's an awesome entrepreneur. That would be awesome. I want to add one other plug to that, which is if any other people out there are have products and brands that help parents and make their lives easier, let me know so I can help you. Because I'm helping my audience when I get them really great products that other people have that help them. So I sincerely would love to connect and collaborate with other parent-based products, uh, whether it's serving dads or moms. Our audience also has a substantial number of grandparents, um, lots of grandmas buying our product to share with their grandkids. So anybody who's serving those audiences, you know, I don't just need you to look at my product. I would love to see what you have going on to see if that's going to help my customer base too, so I can share with them. Yes. This, so this is exactly what Tapped Market is here for. It is Tapped Market on the background of what, what the listeners need to understand is Tapped Market is working with entrepreneurs who are in the grind, who are working to grow their businesses. So our end goal is to help businesses connect with each other to do co-marketing activities. Leah has a highly engaged audience that's really excited about the products and she's built trust and credibility with her customers. If you have a product that would resonate with Leah's customers, you guys should be doing co-marketing activities together. We can connect you. You can come on the podcast. We can interview you. We can get you exposure here too. 
then we can connect you with Leah. And that's really where the magic's going to happen because we all have these audiences, right? Like I, I run two companies, one's Lawn Serve, um, a DIY lawn care subscription box, and Forest and Herald, which is a men's accessories company. This is their wallet. We're doing the same thing. We're working with other brands, putting inserts in boxes when we send out um, our e-commerce packages, doing social media giveaways, doing these things because we all are engaged with our customers deeply. That's that's our our day in and day out. So that that totally makes sense. This also is a great segue into your your future. Um, you mentioned Ryan before the the four products, twenty five sales a day, thirty dollar price point, million dollar business. You've reached a million dollar business, but if we can expand products, where does that really take us? Right. So what is on your roadmap? Or what do you need to do if you don't have those products right now to continue to expand those offers and products to your existing customer base and, and even attract more customers uh, for, for different items? What, what do you got going on there? Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's really what 2023 is going to be all about. So right now I'm, I'm kind of, you know, we're closing out the year. We're, we're, we've already prepped for Q4. That's done. So I'm looking forward to 2023. What am I going to start bringing to my customers there? And so one of the things is we've, so we have the food pouch holder and with it, we've created a reusable food pouch that's sized and works really well with our holder. So that's the one thing we're bringing to our customers because they've asked for it. But I consider that an accessory to our existing product. What I'm really excited about beyond that is getting additional products that serve the same customer base, people with children somewhere between you know six months and five years old. And what are the things that are daily struggles? What are the things that pop up that cause absolute frustration and annoyance in those stages of life as a parent, where it's like, it's a small problem if you have a solution for it, it becomes a big problem if you don't. And so we have a few other feeding products in the works that I'm developing. We have some travel related products that I'm, I'm working on. And then we also have some um, toddler toileting related products for on the go toileting uh, disasters that we all know happen. So there is a few different things that we're working on. The, the challenge for me is that up until this point, I have done all my sourcing through the United States. I've been able to find manufacturers in the U.S. I would love to keep all my manufacturing in the U.S. So my process is a little bit slower than I think it would be if I was willing to just, you know, jump over to whatever manufacturer I could, you know, connect with on Alibaba. I have nothing against foreign manufacturing. It's just that my dad was in the tool and dye industry here in the United States. And he, you know, I've watched that industry slowed out and now it's starting to rebuild. And I really would love to be able to keep my business local. So that's what I'm working on is designing the products. Some of them, I, I think there's often a question of like, you know, how am I ever going to have a business like my product's not as novel or new, or maybe isn't patentable. Not all of my products are going to be something novel, new and patentable. They're just going to be a really high quality version of something that all my parents need. Some of my products that I'm developing are, um, have unique features or novel features that I want to fine tune before I you know, give any public disclosure to them. But there's several things in the works in that front. And the biggest thing though, that I really want to do leading into launching new products is that obviously I want to have an all encompassing mom brand. So I'm working also on, on rebranding and, and building flipping holder into something just a little bit bigger than a baby feeding product. Cause I think right now we're very focused on the baby feeding space I want to serve parents at all capacities of, of how life is with toddlers, not just in feeding. Go a little deeper in that. So you that because that makes sense. I think what you're alluding to is how you're serving that customer outside of your products. Correct. What what do you have going? Um, I know we were talking to Drew recently 
with Tedco. He has a, a pre-workout product. He's running, um, I think it's a seven-day challenge or, or a 30-day challenge, lose, lose 10 pounds in 30 days as an example. Are there, are there actual things that people can engage, your audience can engage with you on that you're serving them on, following a blog, following a YouTube channel? What are those things that you do to serve them? Well, right now, the place that we share information the most is on our email, um, our email list. So people who subscribe to our email can get our content there. That's where I just share wisdoms, you know, wisdom things that have come up in my life as a mom um, and advice. But my goal going forward is to build that into a bigger community. So following us on any of our social channels will get you connected because in the next several months, we plan to launch an online community. We have content. My goal is to just have a, a bunch of free content online. I think parents just especially moms, you know, we're up in the middle of the night trying to solve a problem and we don't want to pay five bucks for every little download that somebody sends our way. So I want to have, or I do have in the works, a free library of resources, all sorts of content related to just the little frustrations. Of, for example, I'm constantly forgetting about the tooth fairy and I never have cash in my house. So I have a whole series of notes I've written for my kids that are the tooth fairy things. Like, so when the tooth fairy comes, I just have to go to my computer and print off a little paper and put it on don't tell my kids the tooth fairy is not real. Um, and print it on the, you know, put it on the table for them. Earmuffs if you still believe in the tooth fairy. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, it's like simple things like that that just become really big problems that you could solve really quick and easy with, you know, just because I've lived the life, I have a list of those things. I have a team. The person I work with for marketing, um, she's a mom of two. And so she has a ton of fantastic ideas. So we've been really behind the scenes building out. Uh, what's going to be a pretty amazing community. And we're excited to get that launched. Hopefully in January of 2023, we'll be able to get that going. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's where we're at in terms of the best places to engage with us is, you know, get on our Facebook or Instagram or get on our email list. What are those channels? So we've got like Instagram is at the flipping holder, right? Yep. Instagram's at the flipping holder. Facebook is the flipping holder. Just flipping holder with no the. So, okay. so we couldn't get them to pair up. So um, despite, you know, being in existence for six years now, even then it was already, uh, already taken on Instagram. So Facebook is facebook.com backslash flipping holder. Instagram is the flipping holder. Um, but flippingholder.com, our website is, you'll find all of the links there. And you can, yeah, you can, you can buy the product on the website. That's um, the best way to support Leah in the products. It is available on, on Amazon. If you, you know, Prime, subscribe, and want to go uh, purchase that there. The, the last thing I wanted to circle up on, you, you went past it really quickly, but I I think what you're building here, um, Ryan talks about this a lot, that the owner's model, uh, it sounds like you're looking to outsource some of these things. You know, you've packed hundreds of thousands of flipping holders at this point. You're, it sounds like you're leveraging an outside marketing team member. So, your goal to switch to third-party logistics, to, to do some of the fulfillment, to outsource some of the marketing, trying to stay lean through the transition of launching more products and scaling and all that. Is that the goal? Yeah. So it's, it's always a chore for me to offload anything. I like to be, I like to do it all. I like to know how to do it all. And so it's, it's been a step-by-step process to pick a bucket of tasks and say, this is something I no longer can do the best of my ability because I no longer have the time and acknowledge that somebody else doing it is better for me and better for my customers. So I've been doing that in incremental steps, getting some other individuals. We have several employees now who pack all our inventory for us. I have a warehouse. They can get everything there. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, I onboarded an inventory manager who manages my warehouse that has freed up literally 
10 to 15 hours a week for me. Like that was a good, excellent choice. Took me a really long time to get there. That's an example of what I'm doing. And I consider that implementing the owner's model, but it's just a very slow process for me. So I'm, I'm working through it. But really the ultimate goal and the idea of the owner's model is, is that I would be focusing in my sweet spot, like doing the thing that I'm really good at. And the things that I'm really good at is coming up with, it was really just engaging with my people and then coming up with solutions for their problems, whether that's online, whether that's answering a question, whether that's engaging in a mom community or whether that's making a product. That's my, I did a career clarity program several years ago. And you come down with a statement of like, what is your like ultimate like, sweet spot. Like what is the thing you do better than anybody else? And one of the things that I, the thing that I settled on is that I love to engage complicated outside resources to come up with simplified and concrete solutions to other people's problems. That's what I love to do. I just love it. And that's where my goal is so that my business is structured in a way that that's where I spend all my time. And I think that's huge. I mean, I I know that feeling, picking, packing, shipping, and you can just you can just tell that it's not the highest and best use of your own time. And there's, you just have to figure out when is right for you to offload that. And I can imagine the exponential value of reallocating your time to the highest and best use can really propel the company to its next level. You're going to have to do that. Yeah. You're going to have to offload. There's just not enough hours in the week to pick and pack and invent a new product in, in master manufacturing and communicate with your customers and do a good job. You know what I mean? And feel like you're, you're doing it. And you've got four kids at home. Um, and I know that that's important, right? <laughs> yeah. So. Taking care of those kids somehow becomes a full-time job all on its own, shockingly. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's, uh, I would add though, one of the things that makes it hard to do that is that hard to offload your work to other people is there is a cost associated with that. And that's the stage I'm at right now is the recognition of when you start bringing on a team, it's so I can spend my time doing the, the things that are going to grow the company in the long term, but you don't always reap a short-term monetary benefit, right? Me designing a new product right now is not something I'm going to get paid for, for quite a while. That's going to take a while to come to fruition. So there's, there's a intimidation factor with watching your cash flow change when you're when you've been a, a single person shop for you know five years, I had a pretty good strong handle on all my expenses, all my costs, and I frankly wasn't valuing my time in that. Right, I wasn't accounting for how much time I was spending on it. I just counted my time as free and was you know like these are my expenses. Well, then once you start onboarding, you start paying people to do the work. It does change your cash flow equation. So that's one of the reasons why it's going to be a really transformative year for me because it's it's this process of trusting. I have to trust that this is the route to go to really build into something big two years, three years, four years down the road. It's a bit of a sacrifice up front, but we're going to get there. <laughs> I, I love it. Let me try to re reiterate, recap here and then give me anything that I'm missing. So Leah starts this business uh, solving a problem for herself after having her, her first kid, goes out there, launches it, you know, with a minimum viable product, 3D printing this, gets manufacturing done, sticks with it for years of, um, you know, sort of bumping along, still grinding through the day job, but seeing some results, seeing some growth, getting some, uh, some viral interaction from the customers through engaging with the customers and just developing a useful product 
to the everyday and then leveraging essentially that output, the, lev- the, the viral output to then start to reinvest back in the business, reinvest time in the business, start to work out of the day job and head towards working in this full time. And now it's, we're going to develop more products over the next year. We're going to start to build a team. This is, this is incredible. What am I missing? And what else? What, what's, what else is there? <laughs> no, that's, that's the journey in a nutshell is doing all of that. And um, probably the single biggest thing I hope comes out of all of my experience is that other women, especially moms who are feeling trapped and stuck in whatever they're doing, recognize that you can, if you pick something that you're really passionate about, just do it on the side. And just do it persistently, not to ex- the point of exhaustion, but I mean, just be consistent and persistent. It can pay off in the long run. I mean, I spent 10 years, in my opinion, missing my kids' lives. And, you know, my oldest one is 10. My youngest one is now three. When my daughter was born in 2019, partly because of COVID, but partly because of my business, I've never had to miss a day of her life. I haven't been gone for an entire day. I haven't been gone for a four-week trial ever in her lifetime. I was for all my other kids. And so it's, if that's on somebody's heart, if that's really heavy for them, that they're like, I am sick of being in the day-to-day kind of rat race, it's possible to get out of it. And you just got to kind of pick something you're passionate about and pursue it again, persistently and consistently, even if it's a couple hours a week in a random evening where you're just, you know, starting a blog or starting, you know, connecting in, in online entrepreneurial communities, do it. It's so worth it. And you never know where it's going to take you. That resonates with me for sure, too. And I'm sure with everybody that's that's sort of listening to this, working in the grind themselves. So awesome. We're definitely going to have to have you back here because we're, we're going to be launching more products and we're going to want to keep updating the audience here. So you'll be coming back. We'll be posting a video on our YouTube channel, you know, showing off the flipping holder, showing off a reusable pouch, maybe. Yes, yes. Our new reusable pouches. And I will... A small plug here, our new reusable pouches are actually designed with artwork from a good friend of mine, Gayla Ramph, who is also uh, in the the online entrepreneur community. She's an oncaustic beeswax artist, makes beautiful pieces like this artwork behind me, and that is actually the art on our pouch. So if you find our pouch out there on our social channels, every single purchase of that supports her and her beautiful art. I love that. It's it's function function and beauty on it. So it's it, that's going to differentiate. So we'll 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 get that out into the community. We'll start telling people. Everybody go by Leah's flipping holder, flippingholder.com, follow on Instagram at the flipping holder. Thank you so much for your time, Leah. We'll have you back. This has been great. I appreciate it. Thank you. I look forward to coming back. It's been awesome. Hi there. If you found this podcast helpful, I would appreciate it if you took a minute to leave a review. This increases the reach to more entrepreneurs and other people interested in the products, brands, entrepreneurial stories, and their successes. So we can create even more positive small business outcomes. Take a screenshot, tag me in your social stories to friends. This means the world to me to know this podcast has influenced your day and life in a positive way and that we get to be a part of your own journey. With gratitude from me, until next time, go make it a great day.